Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Romans chapter 12. Bring you a message today called Challenging Normal. Challenging Normal. Some things in our lives just don't change until they're challenged. Some things don't change until they're challenged. You can sit at home and eat all the cupcakes you want and wish stronger muscles and less fat, but until you challenge it, until you bring something in to disrupt it, uh, you will not see the change that you wish and you hope for. Some things demand uh, uh, to be challenged and demand to be disrupted. Anybody's lives been disrupted a little bit lately? I mean, it felt good today just to put on pants that required a belt. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think everything I've worn the last 30 days has been had an elastic strap on it. And uh, so it's nice. Uh, but, you know, there is a disruption that's taking place. And the, the, the disruption is necessary. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us this. I beseech you or urge you, therefore. The New Living reads, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I'm pleading with you. Who's he talking to? The church, brothers and sisters. Come on, I've gone long enough without any feedback. You can, you can feed me back. You can respond. I'm not sitting in front of just a camera today. Hallelujah. He's talking to the church. He's talking to brethren. He's talking to the brothers and sisters. He's talking to those in Christ, in him, in the family of God. And he's saying, I beseech you, I urge you, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he's done for you. Let them be living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So he's talking about initially what happens on the outside. He's talking about offering your bodies. Notice he didn't say offer your mind, your will, your emotions. He's not talking about offering your spirit. He's talking about getting your flesh or your body in alignment with the purpose of God. That there's something that's taken place on the inside, but now it needs to affect what's on the outside. Now, how does he say to do this? He goes on in verse two. Don't copy the behavior and customs. The New King James reads the patterns. Patterns. You could say habits. Or I like this word, what's familiar. Don't copy the behaviors and the, the customs. He's talking again about the outward, what's on the outside. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Now the new King James reads, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Conformed and transformed. Now conformed is what happens on the outside. Conformed is what's taking place on the outside. And he's saying this, that ultimately the outside should align or should conform with what God wants. 
He says, this is truly the way that we worship him. The New King James reads, this is your spiritual act of service. Your spiritual act of service. This is how you ought to respond on the outside. But notice where he goes. You don't change the outside from the outside. He says, you have to change the outside from the inside. See, this is what happens is when you try to change the inside from the outside, you ultimately can't change anything. Anybody ever tried to get closer to God by doing stuff? Anybody ever tried to be closer to God by reading more of your Bible and praying more every day? And if I just go to church enough, God will accept me. And if I just praise him and worship him, and if I talk like that person and look like that, we can all on the outside try to come up with an outside image or an outside picture of what we think living for God looks like. But I want to tell you today that until you are transformed from the inside, you will never conform on the outside to what God wants. God did not address our separation from him. God did not address our iniquity and our sin from the outside. The religious leaders tried to do that. The Pharisees and Sadducees tried to do that. They tried to conform to God rather than be transformed to God. So conform deals with what's on the outside, but being transformed deals with what's on the inside. So I have to disrupt some things in a different place. See, I cannot change the fruit until I change the root. I cannot change the fruit, what I see on, and notice it's called the fruit of the what? Spirit. That means it comes from a spiritual place. It's born from a spiritual place. It's born. So if I'm always trying to address issues on the wrong level, then I will continuously be frustrated and disappointed with the results. Because the expectation is, is if I do this and do this and do that and do that, then I will change my life. But that's not how God addresses changing your life. He says, you address your life by being transformed. He will transform you into a new person. And where does that start? By changing the way you think. He says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Honestly, what we have seen a lot of in the last 30 days uh, is a culture with unrenewed minds. Culture with unrenewed minds, a culture that responds from the level of flesh because that's all they know. He's telling me that if I'm going to come into the kingdom and I can expect different results, I can offer my life as a spiritual service or as a spiritual sacrifice, a living sacrifice, he says. If I want to offer my life in alignment with the kingdom of God, I cannot keep alignment with the world. At some point, the two are going to butt heads. At some point, they're going to be, uh, 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 they're, they're going to come against each other and I'm going to have to make a decision. Am I going to respond from the flesh or am I going to respond from my new nature, the spirit of God, the way the kingdom responds? Do I have any kingdom people in here with me today that say, I'm choosing to respond from the kingdom. 
I'm choosing to respond the way heaven responds. Jesus said, pray this way. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth. So God's intention is that his will and his purpose from heaven would take place and translate to the earth. And how would he do that? Would he just come down here and just snap his fingers? Kingdom of God, there it is. Would he do that by uh, just merely sending his son to die on a cross? No, you know what he chose to do? He chose to put the kingdom in you and then you carry the kingdom into every sector of society. You carry the kingdom everywhere you go. Ultimately, guys, if the church isn't responding like heaven, the world never will. How can we see heaven on earth if the church looks more like the earth than they do heaven? How is that possible? That can't happen. No, we have a mandate. We have a mission. We have a cause. We have a purpose to bring heaven to earth. And conforming to the earth and becoming like the earth is not the answer to changing the earth. Because whatever I conform to, I can no longer change. If I conform to the world, then I can't change the world. I can't be an agent of change if it's affecting me more than I'm affecting it. Y'all with me? And so he's urging us, beseeching us, offer your lives that it should be produced on the outside, that what God did on the inside should show up on the outside so that my mission can be accomplished to get heaven in the earth. My mission can be accomplished that my will in heaven will be done on earth. Well, what's God's will in heaven? Well, we gotta know the word. Is sickness, disease, God's will in heaven? Absolutely not. Is lack and poverty God's will in heaven? Not for a king that's walking on streets of gold. Hello? Owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It shouldn't be difficult to discern the heart of God. It shouldn't be difficult for the believer to know what his will and his purpose and intent is for us on the earth. So what do I got to do? Got to renew my mind. This is the way I used to operate in the world. Now I'm in the kingdom. I've got to renew my mind. What does that mean? I've got to get out everything. You know, to learn some new things, you've got to unlearn some old things. Anybody ever been there? If you want to learn a new way of doing something, you're going to have to unlearn the old way. That's why, you know, my wife and I, we were in children's ministry previously before pastoring this church, and that was easy. There wasn't a whole lot of unlearning that had to take place. You guys, on the other hand, say that with a smile. There's a lot of unlearning. I bump into your traditional thinking every now and then. I bump into religious mindsets every now and then. I bump into, well, this is how we've always done it every now and then. I heard someone say the other day that somebody was complaining, why don't we ever do any of the, the old choruses, the old hymns? And man, some of those things are powerful, but this individual was coming off more in a complaining because they just didn't like any of the new stuff. And so this, uh, the other individual, I guess it was a worship pastor, responded and said, 
Well, what you really mean by old, you mean familiar. Because when I say, think about something that you saying 20 years ago, all of your minds go to different places. All of your minds, it's, it's relative. Old is relative. What's old? 1985? I mean, old to me is every move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, Jesus. Shout to the Lord. Uh, those are old to me. But some of y'all are thinking like amazing grace. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Right? Old is relative. You just mean you want us to sing more of the stuff you grew up hearing. So when we're talking about normal, when we're talking about what, is, what does life look like beyond this, first we have to all get on the same baseline. Because normal for this section isn't normal for this section. Normal is relative. Old is relative. Familiar is relative. And so I want to challenge normal today. I want to challenge where God wants to really move in your life. I want to challenge what God is doing and how he is moving in your life. I want to challenge all of that today. So Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. I was just setting you up with Romans 12. Because you have to see where God works. When God, when we challenge normal, I'm not talking about actions and behaviors. I'm talking about mindsets. I'm talking about mentalities. I'm talking about reactions and responses. I'm talking about where God really wants to change and where God really wants to work is on the inside. And see, this is the thing, is no matter what happens on the outside, everything that you respond to or how you react to things is always gonna be at the mercy of what you do on the inside. I've seen numerous responses over the last 30 days. Numerous opinions. Numerous. From one end of the spectrum to the other. And everybody's responding to events and occurrences based upon what's on the inside of them. Because that's all you can do. So where do we need to be transformed? In the renewing of our mind. If I'm transformed on the inside, then I can conform to the kingdom of God and not limit myself to the character and the habits and the reactions and the, the behaviors and the customs and the patterns of this world. And so Joshua chapter one, to give you a little bit of context, a little bit of backstory, we have arrived at a turning point. We have arrived now, the Israelites, God has been able to bring them out of Egypt. He brought them into the wilderness and the wilderness was designed to help them break free of Egypt, help them get set free from their past and start to look forward and look ahead to anybody in here looking forward to anything? 
Anybody in here? See, see, we use this term, I want to get back to. But, you know, we need to start looking ahead to. Because there's a promised land. There's a future. There's a hope. There's a calling that is ahead of you. That's greater than what's behind you. I don't want to go back to March. I want to look ahead to May. So I've got to keep my mind in the right place. Well, unfortunately, these Israelites, God could get them out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of them. Unfortunately, even though they were brought out physically, they remained slaves mentally in the very place where God needed them to do the work. Renew your mind. I can come, I can be given a million dollars and still think like a broke person. I can be miraculously healed and still think like a sick person. Anybody with me? I can be forgiven and still think like a victim. Hello, offense, unforgiveness, all that is, is a mentality. You've been set free. You've been delivered. And what God does, he does in an instant. When he transforms your life, it's not a process. It happens in an instant. The process is mind renewal. The process is spiritual growth. The process is, all right, I'm leaving this up to you. What are you going to do with the new life I just gave you? Because my son's not getting back on the cross to die for your sins again. He's already done it forever. You have to accept the forgiveness and change your behavior in alignment with the kingdom by renewing your mind. This is how God operates. So the Israelites come out of Egypt. They're set free physically, but still slaves mentally. Still slaves. So they end up dying. End up dying in the wilderness. You may remember the first message that we launched with our online stuff. Grapes and Giants. That was the moment, that was the story where God was sending in spies to spy out the land, to look at the land, to see the goodness of the Lord. And there were grapes and there were giants. And we discovered that if I allow my faith to be built on the grapes, then it will be broken by the giants. Because faith isn't operating and isn't moved by what it sees. Give me a good report, give me a bad report. I already have God's report. You just gotta know that. There's a good report, there's a bad report, and then there's God's report. And God's report is never at the mercy of what you see. It's your promised land unless there's enemies, unless there's giants, unless there's fortified walls. But when Moses sent them in and started making a bracket, good, bad, few or many, cultivated, uncultivated. You go in making lists and then what are you doing? You're trying to build up indicators that prove to you that God's word is true. God's word is forever settled in heaven. God's word is yes and amen. God's word will not change, will not uh, be uh, moved by what you see or by what happens. 
So I'm not going in to get a report. I'm going in with a report. I'm going in knowing that he is good. I'm going in knowing he is the healer. I'm going in knowing that I have the victory. I'm going in knowing that I am the head and not the tail. I'm going in knowing that I come out on the other side victorious. I'm going in knowing that. You might remember in our message on joy. I said joy has to be determined before you get in the challenge. If you wait to build up joy after the challenge shows up, No, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I've got to determine this from the get-go. The Israelites, unfortunately, did not do that. And they ended up dying in the wilderness, only getting a glimpse of the promised land. And here in verse 1, Joshua chapter 1, it says this. After the death of Moses, let me read this to you in the New Living. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. So abrupt, so deliberate, gets right to the point. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. He says, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, I mean, we haven't even had the funeral yet. We haven't even had an opportunity to mourn over this. And we haven't even had the opportunity to, 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 to bask in this. What is God doing? So what we have here is we have a whole generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt, that died in Egypt. But now we have a new generation that was born in the wilderness that didn't know Egypt. Now we have a whole new group of people. We have a whole new generation. And now we have Joshua being called upon to lead these people. And God says, Moses, my servant is dead. The first thing God has to get you you to do before he can move you into a new thing, he has to get you to get rid of the old thing. Before God can get you in the new thing, He has to get you out of, or you have to get rid of the old thing. God wants to bring you into some things. This is a point of transition for a lot of us. This is a point of of what is this going to look like beyond all these issues? I mean, April was already like, you know, 132 days long. You know, I mean, I didn't even know how to write May. I, I I just felt like April went forever. But now we're transitioning into some new things. I feel like I'm having to preach, you know, a New Year's message all over again. Like we just got a reset on 2020. The funniest one that I saw, I just got to give you this real quick. There's all kinds of hilarious, I mean, I got to give you the funniest one. Funniest one I saw was, I'm going to go back to my mom and give her permission to slap me into next year. That was my favorite one. Anybody else see that one? <clears throat> that was a good one. I, I needed I needed some laughter, man. I tell you what, you, you read half the other stuff, you think the world's in it. It's the po- it, I'm not even gonna go there. Just, <laughs> Moses, my servant, is dead. And, and, and here's what I want y'all to see. I want y'all to see this because we're the church of the living God. And first off, those Israelites when they were in Egypt, 
and the 10 plagues came. They came upon their enemy. They were right in the midst of it. But God saw them through. Now I want you to see that this new generation that Joshua is getting ready to lead into the promised land, it wasn't their fault that they got stuck in the wilderness. It wasn't their fault that they ended up where they were. They had to roam around in the wilderness for 20 years and it wasn't even their fault. I want you to know that everywhere we are, there's a kingdom principle called sowing and reaping. You cannot avoid it. But I want you to know that even the things that you end up in because of someone else's failure or someone else's problem, God will see you through. God, had an, a, God has a way out for this crew. God has a way out for this group. I know you didn't get here by your own fault. I know it was your, your crazy parents that didn't want to honor my word, respond to my word, listen to my word. I know that they are the ones that got you in this situation, but I'm going to get you out of this situation. And then for those of us, we need to understand that we're laying the groundwork or planting the seed that maybe someone else will reap. You need to understand that. You need to understand. Parents, generationally, are you planting seeds that you want your children to reap? Or are you sowing seed that they're going to have to pluck up later on? Come on. Y'all like, this is the first day back and you're bringing that stuff that heavy already? I've been waiting, man. I'm ready. I'll pull it all out. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. God wants to move us on. God wants us to move into new things. God wants us to experience new life. But we have to let go of some things in the past. And he does it so deliberately. He does it so intentionally. He does it so, you know, Moses, my servant is dead. Boom, move on to the next thing. Therefore, you're the one that's gonna take my people away because he knows if I let them sit here, they'll get used to it. It'll become a custom, a behavior, and a habit for them. And let me tell you something. Anything you become familiar with, you become a slave to. Anything you become familiar with, you become a slave too. It will hold you in bondage. You know how, man, God showed me this when I was studying this this week. You know how you can know when you're in slavery to something? You desire it when you don't have it, but you hate it when you do it. You desire it when you don't have it, but while you're in it, you hate it. Anybody remember Exodus? The Israelites began to grumble and complain, and they even brought up this thought. They even vocalized this sentiment. If only we were back in Egypt. 
The very thing that God was trying to deliver them from, they're trying to go back to. They hated it when they were in it, but they began to desire it when they didn't have it. That's slavery. That's slavery of the greatest kind. And the enemy does this to people all the time. People bound in addictions, bound in harmful habits, bound and broken in things. And when they're doing it, man, they hate it. They, 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 and as soon as they get done with it, it's just condemnation times a million. But it's always that same devil that shows up and says, hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? You know, you can always go back to this. They'll get free and run back to the same thing that got them broken in the first place. I mean, I know I'm not talking about anybody in this room. It's probably people watching online right now. Come on, we all have it. We all have it. We all have brokenness that we run back to. We all have harmful things that we run back to. We all have things that are dangerous and are crippling our lives, but we run back to it. Why? Because it's familiar. Why? Because it's a custom. Why? Because it's a behavior and a pattern and a habit that I've become familiar with. And I've even noticed this. You, you know, sometimes you don't even know you're in a faith test until you desire to go back. God's trying to move us into new things that bring a new level of faith going to the promised land. Boy, you know when you're in a faith battle when you desire to go back to what you came out of. That's a faith test. That's a faith test. And so Moses, my servant, is dead. So God is challenging this slavery mentality right out the gate. He's not waiting several years. In fact, if you go down uh, to, to verse 11, Joshua chapter one and verse 11, it says this, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days. They've been wandering around in this wilderness for 40 years. And he says, in three days, we're changing course. In three days, we're getting up out of this wilderness. In three days, we're moving ahead to what God has for us. In three days. Why? Because I'm not gonna let you get settled in. I'm not gonna let you grow accustomed to. I'm not gonna let you get bound by familiarity. And well, you know what? The wilderness isn't too bad. I mean, we got manna and, and, and we got birds that bring us dinner. And, 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 you know, we've got all these things. I mean, God's fighting our battles for us, but God's trying to move you past the miraculous. God's trying to move you past him to always doing everything for you and empowering you to walk in his power. That's where God wants you to be. That's where God wants you to be. I thank God for the miraculous, but I thank God for the things that show up in my life because I've developed my trust and faith in him and I know wherever he leads me, he will not leave me. Amen. And so Moses, my servant, is dead. He goes on to say, Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving 
them. Why are we crossing more water? Why? (laughs) Every time God wants his people to move forward, there's something in the way. We've already done the Red Sea thing, God. We've already crossed this. Now we got a whole new generation and it's like God is repeating the same template over. You you parted the Red Sea. They forgot you. They didn't care about you. That didn't last very long. Lasted until they got thirsty. Lasted until they got hungry. And now we're crossing more bodies of water. And they say that the Jordan River typically was around 100 feet wide. Except for this season. They say in the springtime, it would swell up to roughly a mile wide. So at this point, I mean, God, why bring me here now? Why tell me to cross now? Why didn't you tell us to cross when it was 100 feet? We've been roaming around this thing for 40 years. You couldn't have found a moment in there. Uh, It's good. It's uh, it's. The easiest to cross right now, go. No, you pick the hardest time. Why? Because he wants them to know, I'm bringing you through. You're not going through on your own. See, God doesn't want you just going through trials. He wants you going through trials knowing that he's the one that got you through it. Not you, not your bank account, not your trust, not the government, not your church friends, not not the hospital, not the doctor, not the nurses. He wants you to know and he wants everybody watching you to know he's God Almighty. He will bring you through. Sure, we could go across when it's 100 feet wide. It just looks a lot better. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell him it looks a lot better. You might have to scream across the road, but that's okay. It looks a lot better when God gets involved. It looks a lot better. Do you want the glory or can God get the glory? Can God get the glory out of this thing? Can God show himself strong and mighty in your life? Can you let God move you into the deepest, darkest trials so everybody watching you can know only God could do that? Only God. Any other time we could have crossed this thing. Now you want to go. In three days we're going. You're going to go over this Jordan. You and all these people to the land I am giving them. Watch this. I promised you. I promised you what I promised Moses. So notice. New season. Same instructions. New season, same instructions. You don't need another word until you've moved on the word you already have. It might be a new season. It might be a new commander. But we're going to go back to the same word until I get a generation that's going to put my word into practice. Until I find a people that are going to honor my word and do what I told them to do. Until I'll keep going down generation until we find somebody 
that will obey me at my word because my word will not change. My word will not pass away. My word is the same yesterday. If it would have worked for Moses and that crew, it'll work for you. He's just looking for an obedient man to respond to his word and see God move. It's all he's looking for. If I can just find an obedient person. How many generations does God have to go down until he finds the obedient one? I'll be the obedient one. I'll be the one that will honor his word. I'll be the one because the promise is still good. The promise is still assured. If it could get Moses through, it can get you through too. You don't need a new word. You don't need a new instruction. You don't, you don't need, we sit around waiting for the next word and we don't even respond to the now word. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the West, including all the land of the Hittites. Now watch this. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Do y'all see that sentence? Do y'all see that in your Bibles or on the screen? It says no one will be able to. It doesn't say no one will. It says no one will be able to. There's a difference. Because God here is not promising absence of challenge, absence of enemies, absence of conflict. In fact, he's promising that there will be challenge and there will be conflict. You'll get on the other side and there's still going to be some battles you'll have to fight. But I'm telling you, no one will be able to stand. It doesn't say the, the weapon won't be formed. It says the weapon formed against you won't prosper. David said in Psalms 23, in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not that I won't go through the valley. I just don't have to fear evil in the valley. In fact, he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. The presence of enemies does not indicate the absence of God. The presence of enemies does not indicate the absence of God. But the presence of God also doesn't negate the presence of enemies. The trial may be there. The challenge might be there. But look what he goes on to say. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Here it is. For I will be with you. You know how many times we miss over that portion and we just hear and we just look at the conflict 
and the enemies and the trials and the struggles. And we completely miss the part, for I will be with you. For I will be with you. I don't care what's around me when I know God is with me. I'm not concerned by what's around me when I know my God is with me. I don't care what I might be in the presence of when I know that I ultimately have the presence of God with me wherever I go. How are you going to challenge normal? You're going to know that God is with you. God is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. He's with you. He goes on to say, I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Now he's encouraging their strength. Now he's encouraging their response. Strength and courage are a response to fear. It's not the way you avoid evil. It's the way that you respond to evil to overcome it. Are you hearing me? You don't need strength and courage if there's no battle. You don't need strength and courage if there's no opportunity for war. You don't need strength and courage if there's not a possibility of conflict. You need strength and courage because there's something that's coming against you that might look like it's greater than you, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. Why is he so thoroughly encouraging them to be full of strength and full of courage? He says it like three or four times in just the next few passages. Did I not tell you? Did I not remind you? Have I not said? Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Well, he couldn't say that if there wasn't opportunity for dismay and for fear. He's letting you know. He goes on to say, more instructions. Be careful to obey all the instructions who Moses gave you. So the only thing I'm carrying from my past is God's word. God's word is good, past, present, and future. Everything else I'm leaving behind. I'm leaving Moses behind. I'm taking the word that Moses gave, but I'm leaving Moses behind. Some things I'm gonna die to. Some things I'm gonna bury. Some things we're gonna put in the ground. But then the word of God, I'm carrying that with me to the next trial, to the next challenge, to the next conflict. But the rest of it, I got to leave it there. Moses, my servant, is dead. But listen carefully to the words he instructed you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. We talked about distractions. Your focus is what's going to get you through. Period. End of conversation. I, I can tell your, your mouth 
And your responses are an indicator where your focus is. What comes out of your mouth is an indicator of what's going in your heart. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right, to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Anybody want to experience success? I don't even need to know what's coming. I don't even need to know what's going to happen. I don't even need to know how to navigate it. I just know I've got success. I'm going to make the right choice. We're going to do the right thing. And I'm going to, God's going to see to it that we are successful in carrying out his plan. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, he's not indicating that there's gonna be an absence of anything. He's saying there's gonna be my presence with you everywhere you go. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. That's my question today. Are you ready? Are you ready to challenge normal? Are you ready to challenge what's ahead? Have you got your provisions together? Have you got your mind and your heart in the right place? Some of us, normal is going to catch us by surprise. Some of us, what's on the other side is going to catch us off guard. No, God wants us prepared. God wants us ready. God wants us provided for. God wants you sustained. God wants your hope and trust in him. Go through the camp. Tell them to make provisions. In three days, we're going forward. Worship team, if you come. It's time to challenge. Challenge what we've walked out of. Challenge what we left behind. Challenge, you know, that, that, that one quote that I read just stuck with me. In this desire to get back to normal, we need to determine what parts of normal we even want to get back to. What's worth going back to? Look, some of you have had the greatest thing ever happen to you. You've had the opportunity to separate from things forcefully that you needed to separate from. There's some people you needed to stop seeing a long time to go. And I'm not just talking six feet apart. I'm talking stay away from, disengage. While you're social distancing, why don't we social media distance? Disconnect from the things that are not moving you forward into your future. Get engaged or disengage uh, from the things that are only gonna bring you and hold you back. The worst thing that could happen is that you come out on the other side back in the same mess you were when we got started. Believe in the same thing, thinking the same thing, processing the same thing, responding the same way, reacting the same way. Got the same group of friends we ran with before, doing the same stuff we did before, thinking the same way we thought before. It's time to disrupt some things. It's time to challenge some things. For three days, we're going into the promised land. For three days, we're not gonna sit here and wallow in our mess. We're not gonna sit here in familiarity. We're not gonna sit here in what we thought was right. 
No. We're going to challenge it. We're going to confront it. We're going to disrupt it. You've been transformed on the inside. Now let's start aligning the stuff on the outside. The customs, the habits, the attitudes, the behaviors. I'm going to challenge it. I don't want to just go back to what it was before. I've learned some things through this that I'm challenging. For some of us, our priorities have been realigned. For some of us, we've had to look at things a whole new way. Now, what is God trying to say? What version of you do you want to have come out on the other side? What version? In, in, in a haste and in a desire to get back to what it was, we can never discover what it could be. We can never discover what it was supposed to be. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.